Welcome to the Mondo Neon Show. Argon, Neon, Helium, Xenon, Krypton. Transform and roll out. Mondo Neon Show. I'm with Meryl Padikey. Thanks for welcoming or thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so for, for a lot of listeners, it's, it's primarily, you know, uh, the question I kind of kick, kick off is what gravitated towards making neon, I guess at this point you've done a, a number of different projects, especially when it comes to, uh, curating or making your own work, you know, how, how do you, you know, how did that kind of come to be? Um, I was getting my undergrad at the Academy of Art in San Francisco and Bill Concanon was um, teaching the neon class at the time. I had taken the class um, earlier in my undergrad with David Spenson, who is, he teaches workshops at the Mona and he's also on the board at Mona. Um, and then I revisited it after, um, like towards the end of my undergrad and I kind of like that second go at it. I don't know what it was. It just got me a little bit more interested. And I think at that time I had developed a taste for what types of materials I like to work with. And throughout my undergrad, it had been mostly metal um, welding and forging as well as small metals. So like jewelry making and small metal forging and soldering and silversmithing and stuff like that. So I think, you know, the challenge of tedious materials really, um, you know, it just kind of made sense. Um, it was hard and it was a challenge and I don't shy away from confrontation. <laughs> so um, that's kind of like where I'm at with my material choices for the most part. I fall in love with the ones that really give me a little bit of a challenge. It's, it's, and then uh, after I graduated, sorry, sorry. <laughs> after, after I graduated, Bill, I just kind of want to like, you know, honor him and, and everything. And, and I hope that, you know, I can be, like him and pay it forward to, you know, other people wanting to learn. He really did um, help me out a lot in the beginning. And after I graduated, I basically bothered him to be my mentor and he called it my extended education and he, he really took me under his wing. So shout out Bill Concanon. Yeah. And I think a lot of conversations, especially with other neon makers and, you know, just people that get in, involved with, you know, what what necessarily doesn't get repetitive is that you know each one has a very different slightly different run um you know what are the different types i guess you know approaches to neon i mean i admire each person who kind of goes and asks boldly of themselves to 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 want to do you know benson class and, and you know the relationship between the people that invigorate this type of work and, and you know it, it's an amazing type of work but it's a it's a it's a commitment um you think the conversation yeah it gets written off a lot of times, especially with a lot of things being mass produced nowadays. And some of your content kind of contains some elements around that, especially our relationship to, to fresh material. I think it, even though things have kind of changed slightly for neon, there's still, um, you know, yeah, there's still this kind of trial by fire and mentorship kind of process that goes on where you got to break the ice, you got to break some glass, uh, you got to get burned totally. a few hundred times. And then you kind of realize, okay, well, I'm still not where I'm, I want to be, but you know, it is a long-term uh, specific type of work where, you know, it isn't necessarily flashy. It's not always going to work out, but um, there's a lot of really great people to to bounce back on. I think that's what I kind of hear from what you're saying um, with Bill. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. You're, yeah. You're like speaking my language with all of that. I, I like 
that you use the term trial by fire because it we it literally is. <laughs> um, and um, I think that it is a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong investment. It's basically like your life partner. Um, that's kind of how I see the material. It teaches you a lot about yourself and you grow along with it. Um, I think, you know, skill as far as your skill level is concerned, but also personally, Absolutely. at least for me. Yeah. And, and you now kind of, you've done a lot of different um, work, but I think that the work that I, well, how I discovered you is that the, the She Ben show, which is obviously a, a, a larger curation of women artists in, in exhibition with neon and lots of it has been written about it. Um, for people that don't know how to use Google, I mean, you could just check it out. It's all over the place, but what do you, what do you inspires you to put together a, a show or, or what did kind of a show about women in neon? Because it wasn't, I guess it wasn't necessarily something that was on, on trend within neon. Like it was just sort of something that came about and then people realized, Oh wow, there's all these people making neon that we're, we didn't even know about. And that's kind of the message that I hear back from people that have been making glass for a while is that, wow, we really love what's going on. And, uh, you know, you're, you were the catalyst for that. If I'm not, if I'm, if I'm correct. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah, she bands is, she bands is essentially like, um, my curatorial project, but it's, and it started there and it's come become a lot more than that. And I hope that it grows into even more than that. Um, and represents, a lot of different people. I think it already does now. Um, what made me start it, I guess, you know, the language that we're using now is that it was born out of a need for support amongst um, women vendors or female identifying vendors in the industry. And that includes both people who are mainly making neon in the sign industry and also people who are more focused on like the art side of things. Um, and not necessarily like doing a whole bunch of like, you know, um, heavy production. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's grown into, I mean, it's, a, it's an exhibition first and foremost. We did it the first time at Mona, the Museum of Neon Art in Los Angeles or Glendale. Um, and actually, you know, I guess what sort of gave me the idea was seeing another show that was called Women in Neon that was um, put together in London. And um, I came across it on the internet and I noticed that like, there were only like a, a couple of women that I knew for a fact that were like associated with or um, actually making their own glass or associated with glass vendors and shops. And I just thought that that was like so misrepresent misrepresentative of the amazing, amazing actual women in neon that I knew. Um, colleagues and mentors like Shauna Peterson, who's in my area here in Berkeley, Amy Palms, um, you know, and, and Tiza, Leticia Maldonado, who has been kind of along the journey right alongside with me. I've known her probably the longest in terms of like women who are the same age. And I really wanted them to get representation and opportunity. And I did reach out to the Museum of Neon Art asking if they were interested in the show. And at the time, they had a women in neon show on the roster in the lineup and Lisa Schulte was going to curate it. And I said, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I, you know, if you guys need any help or anything like that, like I'm super into this idea and you know, I didn't hear much of anything else. And then I think Lisa had some, some things come up for her. Um, and I was contacted back by Mona and they asked me if they, if I would be interested still in, in working on a show that featured women in neon 
and um, I, you know, came up with the name She Bends, and it kind of stuck. It was just kind of like, you know, I think Kim, Kim was trying to like, you know, think of other other things, and she's like, you know, we, I just keep coming back around to this name, and it it stuck, and you know, I guess like the rest is history, so to speak. But um, I hope in the future that what it becomes. I mean, what it is now is you know, not just like a, a traveling exhibition, but an opportunity for us to support one another, um, get each other jobs, rely on each other and be resources for one another. Um, and hopefully it continues on um, past that. And we can, we can really bring more diversity and like into our, into the industry um, and more diverse perspectives. Um, and bring the trade into um, some underprivileged communities and, um, you know, offer it as like career alternatives to people and like teach workshops to people who might otherwise not be able to have access to this trade. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a lot of you touched on a lot of really good points, which is, I mean, I think, you know, it gains a lot of different types of meaning, right? Where it travels different circuits. I like that it isn't particularly time-based, like it just happens to come up and it does travel to different areas. Like within nowadays with 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 the internet and how everything is kind of going on, you've got this kind of emerging talent between wherever you are and wherever you can exhibit. Um, I think it's not dependent on just one particular collection. Like where the systems that I think of is like, um, you know, with Instagram working so well, it's remarkable to observe all the different changes in the consistencies in the work and then the different spaces that it inhabits where it'll define a particular type of collection. It comes out of the form of whatever space it's in. So that's exciting. I yeah. think that the size of the show changes and also the way the imprints of each artist, you know, there's this exhibition type um, atmosphere that, you know, everyone's working together to, you know, explain what it is that their work is about but each piece kind of gains a certain element or i guess another type of meaning beyond just i guess the value of what it was just maybe if it was to stay say stand alone and can you tell us i guess uh, about the lesser known artists whose work maybe you've been able to add to the collection i mean there's definitely you know very popular names in neon that you've been able to, to to get on the roster which is great i mean i think obviously you want to introduce those people but um I, I've discovered a, a number of names that I had never even heard of. I always say online, but clearly are either just started bending or, uh, and it seems like there's, you know, a very supportive atmosphere around that. Is it just, are you able to kind of reach out to these people and then they kind of, you know, get involved right away or do they even know kind of what she bends is all about? So, I mean, I think I've had it both ways, you know, I've reached out to people and, and maybe they, they haven't had a clue or people, you know, people ask me, it happens all different ways. I mean, we aren't an open submission thing as of right now, but we are always looking. Um, and I take, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I kind of have like a core group of ladies that I've known for a really long time, whose advice I really um, appreciate and respect. And we, we talk often about a variety of things and, you know, um, keeping our eye out for people who are coming into it and like who we'd like to show, you know, the, the thing about, in terms of lesser known artists, I mean, for me, it's like, I know all of them, I know all of them, so I'm not sure exactly who to say, um, but, with the curation, it's been, I have to say, it is a little bit of a challenge sometimes because I think that while we want to be very inclusive, um, there also needs to be some curating, right? <laughs> so 
So mm-hmm. we, you know, I think that the expectation maybe um, is that why, why isn't, why aren't all women who are doing this in the show? Um, and, you know, there are, there are some people who are just, who are just starting out who, who, you know, we want to show all aspects of this journey, right? The journey that is neon making. We don't want every single, I don't necessarily want every single piece in the shows to, to look great. Like, like people, you know, like any sign maker could have made it, right? Any sign maker with 40 years of experience could have made it. Like, I think that there's something to be said for the part of your journey where, you know, something has charm, as Bill used to call it, when I would bring him my some of my first text-made pieces to bombard. You know, he said, he's like, it looks like you just had something to say and you just needed to get it out. And mm-hmm. I love, I love that, right? Like, I, I, that's a part of my journey with this medium that I will never get back because I've moved past that and I've, you know, I'm, I can't make these little funky bends anymore in, in the text. Um, and I think that it's important to show that. However, I also think that good concepts um, are important, right? Good perspectives, good concepts, and a certain amount of professionalism from from artists that you know can hit deadlines and can can give material, and they're like team players. So there's a lot of different things that I personally look at when um, I'm inviting people to show. I want to be able to showcase everybody. Um, who's doing it? It's it's always a challenge, right, for me because it's not just like a normal show, right? It's it's the women in neon, and so we want to be, you know, inclusive, but they're also, like I say, there has to be some curating going on. Um, if you want to tell me what artists you want me to talk about, I'm happy to. No, I think I think it's a good. It's kind of like a broad question. I think when you do you see, you know, has, has it been a technical feat? I think especially when you look at the neon itself, like it's a delicate piece of, of material. You know, I think that as you go around the country and, and you set these shows up, um, done a great job, by the way, of, Thank you. you know, of remaining, you know, true to the, to the, the spirit of the show. I think obviously I'm just speaking for itself, but I think, you know, with all these, do you see bigger, bigger obstacles when it comes to touring, to say a show, to, to moving the spaces around a little bit, you know, um, has that been a, a challenge too? I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a, oh my gosh, you know, lots of, it is. lots of elements going on. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a challenge. I mean, we're, we're talking about um, artists from in, in, in many cases all over the world. Um, you know, not every artist has participated in every show, whatever they have going on in their schedules and whatever else, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of artists from all over the world. So, you know, we are basically kind of relying on what the galleries are able to do with the return shipping. And like my huge deal breaker is that I never, ever want like the standard, as far as I've been concerned, my entire career has always been that like the artists, the artists afford the work out, um, and the gallery ships back. Most galleries still, do that. That's like still their standard. There are some places that can afford to ship both ways, but we're talking about a lot of work that's very expensive to ship from all over the place, right? So that shipping budget gets to be a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that I think has been the biggest challenge is um, 
I mean, obviously coordinating and facilitating a bunch of different people with like deadlines and deliverables and pictures and images and promotion and all of that. Um, but I think like financially speaking, like I, I really, I would love to, I mean, we, you know, we're starting to work with like sponsors and things like that so that we can have she be an independent organization or, or entity that can help artists and help fund, you know, their art, um, maybe give little small grants and, and things like that in the future. I mean, that's kind of where I want to see this going. And it's not just female specific. It's, you know, I mean, it's just helping the industry survive. I think that right now, women in neon, I mean, it's very, you know, obviously, it's gotten a lot of attention for, for good reason. And if we can bring some of that attention back into the industry, um, and, and benefit it in any way, like, that's kind of what it's all about. It's, it's making sure that the industry goes forward. I think so, too. I think there seems like there's primary pressures too on the curating i'm sure at some point too to create like a blockbuster type atmosphere which i think is great like you mentioned that you know you sort of remembered what it was like to kind of do simple you know kind of just not you know when you were trying to just make these quick bends um you know you understand too i can clearly tell that there's there's a context to you know the problem at hand that there's not just kind of a show coming up but it's more like how can we take this into the future um which i think is really cool i think that there's a conscious shift away from just making glass be this thing that you just sort of uh maybe post uh, you know there's definitely other ideas around how can we keep this thing going which is really cool and i think you know do you ever do you see you know curating kind of long term or is this kind of where you're at right now kind of doing a little bit of both your own work and then um I see, I see this as being, um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going with it, whether it's like curating shows or curating something kind of like like curating concepts, you know, like curating something that's a little bit more than just an exhibition. I think that that's kind of the goal. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, just kind of to your previous point, education is a huge factor in a lot of the programming that we do at our shows, um, we, we try and educate the public about how this is made and the people and the stories behind this industry. Um, there are still a lot of people, I mean, everybody knows, I mean, everybody in neon knows that there are, you know, a lot of people that still don't even know that this is all handmade. And like, just seeing the looks on people's faces, like when they, when they see like a neon demo in front of their face, you know, like we try and like bring people in to appreciate the passion and the love that we have for our medium um, and educate people. And I think through education is like really what's going to be how this medium continues to, um, to succeed. Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's just kind of in the background and it's only for the people in the industry. And I don't know that that's necessary. I mean, I don't know if I subscribe to that philosophy. Totally. I think too, is like education by, by, you know, appreciation, meaning like if you're going to go to extreme lengths to try and figure out something you really like, eventually you're going to want to know more about it. And then you start to dig a little bit deeper. I think where people get tricked is they, they just, they go to stores now and, and everything is kind of store bought or even worse. Yeah. And not necessarily worse. It's just, um, we kind of just have as a, collective, you know, <laughs> as a collective nature to, to just want to assume that, they, that anybody can just, 
you know, going and picking off of a shelf, um, which doesn't necessarily hurt neon. I think in a lot of ways it's actually helped it. I think when you look at the broader kind of strokes that are happening online, I think neon has a very strong platform to stand on because of the fact that it hasn't succumbed to, to that environment. When you look at the way that things have kind of gone, I think traditionally, um, a lot of trades either fallen off completely or, you know, they've been given to, to the machines and they'll, they'll do it for us. Um, where I think we, we clearly know that's not the answer. And especially when it comes to neon, it's, it just doesn't work. I think, I don't know for whatever reason, I don't, I don't see it happening. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared that a robot's going to take over my job anytime soon. Um, <laughs> I don't think that that's like really <laughs> where they're prioritizing like AI, but um I, I'm not scared of that. I, I do think that like, you know, when you talk about things that are on a shelf, um, you know, a lot of times those things are LEDs. So that's kind of like what I was like giggling about a little bit when you were, when you were talking is, you know, it's not just about like whether or not that's helped the neon industry. It's about people being more conscious in their decision-making and how, what they're buying. Um, and you yeah, know, a lot of, you're talking about people getting tricked basically like when they go to the store or whatever and it's sitting there right yeah i mean i mean you i mean when you say going to the store i mean there's there are some stores i guess that sell like little actual neon tubes um but there are also those that are not neon at all and you know there are a lot of people who don't know the difference i mean we all know that there's plenty of people who don't know the difference between the LED stuff and the real stuff and even even the real stuff too I mean it's all you know it's like mass produced things and part of part of what it is that I try and do either on like my social media platform or through SheBenz is to like show people how that there's a person behind this and that there's a story behind this and how, what the benefits are of being conscious in how you purchase this stuff right um, both for the industry and also for the environment um, those are all the things that are extremely important to me. And I think most people who, you know, are approached, approached or educated in such a way that like, you know, they feel like they're informed and they're enlightened. They actually would rather go the route of being conscious about it. You know, they, they want to like, Oh, okay. I had no idea. Like, I want to try and find the neon person in my town and, you know, have it made that way instead instead of ordering it on Etsy or like online or whatever by who knows who's making it. Right. Um, I think right. it's important. Yeah, I do. I think that you know, I, obviously you want to, I think we're talking about the authenticity here. I think that, you know, preliminary speaking, you know, what counts is that the work is, is what it is. Right. And I think I, mean, I get where you're coming from. I think where people, people get lost is like you said, is that we, you know, Globally, I think we haven't, you know, the neon industry could always do more to, to, you know, put pressure on that issue where it just could just be a matter of just giving people more access, which I think is even easier because for a lot of people, they don't have the critical perspective of, okay, well, how does it, how, how do you buy a tube? Like, what does it come in? How, you know, I never knew it was, you know, straight before yeah. it was even bent. You know, they don't have that. It would certainly make every vendor's job easier if clients knew more about the medium before they engaged with us. I mean, literally every time I take a job, it's like the whole thing all over again. I have to tell them, well, you know, typically I need to know a lot more about installation first than I need to know about your actual project. Like what are the needs of the space? And like, you know, it's like a huge learning curve every single time with clients. And so, I mean, there's, there's that 
benefit too. Um, but in terms of giving people access, I would agree with you, but there are a lot of people out there that don't, that would not agree. Um, there, I, I feel like for a very long time, it was like, you don't tell people the secrets of the trade ever at all. And I've heard stories of vendors, like, you know, they stop bending if like somebody who isn't like a vendor comes into their shop. I don't know if that's exaggerated or not, but, um, I mean, it seems sounds yeah, I, I mean, think, I think what you're talking about too, it, it's, you know, I, I don't know if that's the answer, but I think this, this idea that it's on sort of the client's, you know, side that they have to figure, I mean, like we talked about, I think you always have to be performing. I think clearly where, where we kind of get lost is it's a, it's a necessity where, I mean, I think from my perspective, I, I agree with you there. I, I think people don't want choice. Some people don't care. Um, I think it's also, you know, undeserving of them to have to even try to have to figure it out. So, yeah, I mean, it could just be as simple as, like I said, just putting out some information and just seeing where it goes. And, and yeah, I mean, there, there are going to be times where people um, really resonate with that. And then other people who will just still um, obviously, well, you know, that, that, that's obviously not for me. I don't care. I'm just going to buy the, uh, you know, the alternative or whatever. Um, sure. You know. But as long as people are informed and they can make an actually informed decision, right. I think that that's what's right. the most important thing. I agree. I think like, you know, the biggest inspiration I think I get from this is that there's, there's, you know, the, the few that know, and then there's the most that don't. Right. So let's look inward a little bit more and just, you know, lay out the, uh, the information and then, you know, let them be able to make that decision on their own as opposed to, yeah, as opposed to where it's going. Um, do you have like, totally. I guess your work you have, you've made kind of conscious decisions to, to use different things besides just glass too. Um, you know, kind of switching gears here, but just where, you know, you've got things like, um, vices in different materials. <laughs> you've always kind of dabbled in that, or is that kind of just like an extension of where you're at right now? Um, dabbled in, well, I've, I've always, I've always done mixed media stuff with the neon. Um, I, I think, you know, I have like a few pieces that have been just glass. Um, it just kind of depends on the concept and what's going on. Materials like have a language that they speak regardless of whether you want them to or not. So I think that making, you know, I make informed decisions about the materials I use, but, um, yeah, nowadays with like the clamps and the, Oh, what else did I do? Uh, what is the cinder blocks and whatever? Um, I think that that's just kind of like where I'm at right now, getting into like a, a little bit more of an abstract space. And I, I, I kind of go back and forth with that. Sometimes I'm a little bit more representational and other times I, I don't, I don't want to be. Um, but I, I never really stay in the same place for very long. Yeah, no, I like the tension too. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's cool. I like, you know, I'm always, observing kind of what's going on online and it's cool to see the neon kind of in in between these very intense situations um you know there'll be something very kind of delicately said you know and, and then beyond that it's just like everything's kind of you know pushed together and uh i mean obviously if you know anything about glass it, it's prone to breaking but it, it feels very you know i don't know if that's the intention but it, it, for me I'm, I'm always like tense when i look at your work which is cool because i <laughs> Yeah. You feel something. You shouldn't just be like, oh, that's neon. Okay, there you go. Which is like a lot of things, right? Because um, it just has this like, you know, it just looks great, whatever, however you want to present it. But um, but I like that, the juxtaposition between, um, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots. There's a lot of space between where you're working and then there's clearly things that look like they're going to fall into themselves. And for whatever reason, it's still working. So it's great that, <laughs> you know, yeah, like <laughs> kind of teetering on, on dysfunction, but I like that. So 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't know that like, I never really want to like, like say how I, how I want people to experience the work. But when people say that they feel tension, I think that that's kind of the general consensus. And I do enjoy that because I think some of it is born out of a little bit of a frustration. Um, I guess just like personally, like whenever I'm feeling angsty, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, what's yeah, that? No, no, I said it's good to have um, the ability to do that. You know, for instance, I think certain people either kind of go back to their um, their space or their world and they kind of just like, everything just kind of pulls in on itself where I think artists have the ability to, to translate that into either maybe physical form or um, writing, whatever you choose to do, like whatever your happiness, happy place is. I think that that can be really therapeutic. Um, I think a lot of times. Absolutely. And I... I think for me personally, as an artist, like I, there's a lot of like, it's hard for me not to have a, it's hard for a lot of people not to have a personal narrative in, in their works. Um, I think, you know, this stuff where I'm, I'm pushing, like essentially like pushing the glass, like to its breaking point, so to speak, but you know, literally, um, it kind of, it's a little bit of like this, like, duality that's inside of me um you know i i guess i'm i'm a pisces first of all so there's like two fish there and um i i find myself you know the perception of me when people meet me is that i'm like quote unquote intimidating which is always like a really interesting phrase to say to somebody i feel like you know you are intimidating it's like but really what that is is that you're intimidated <laughs> But anyways, it's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But, um, but actually I, I'm super soft on the inside and I get really affected, like, you know, by, you know, um, by, by things. And, and ultimately like, I'm just like anybody else. Like I want, I really, I want people to like me and it hurts my feelings when, when people don't like me or say bad things about me and stuff like that. So I think that there's like, that duality is, is illustrated or highlighted a little bit in these works that I'm making um, where there's that tension. Um, and also I think that it's fun to show neon in a way that other people aren't used to seeing it. Um, that it's, you know, surprisingly durable um, in certain circumstances or like, you know, in the right, in the right context, context or, you know, depending on how it's made or, you know, where the pressure point is, right? Um, mm -hmm. so that's always, that's always really interesting to me that like really fine line there. Yeah. And it's cool. I think the, you're, you're not running away from that. I think a lot of times we do, like, I think the pressure has always been to, to kind of let it do what it's supposed to do. And in some other ways, I, you know, I've seen a lot of different work, especially when it comes to neon. And I just, I just like when, when there's other kind of a, a, an element of surprise going on, you know, I, I might not have thought about doing it that way or you know, um, sort of the, the grown-up effect of, okay, we've seen enough of these signs on the wall. Let's do something different. Let's put it on the ground. Let's, let's exhibit it somewhere else, which is what I think the, I guess what I, I take away from from that too, is that, you know, there's there's an exploration. Like just don't forget how to, that this isn't just something that um, you can, you know, uh, commercially see on on, uh, on like a wall or something like that. So yeah, it creates totally. a really cool, I was going to tell you too, like Patrick Nash, who we had on the show, um, he's part of P&D Neon out of New York. He used to, um, I, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, he used to put it, um, like, you know, dump concrete all around it too, uh, which he, he talked about doing, like <laughs> pouring yeah. concrete over neon. And it just, yeah, it just raised a lot of red flags. But at the same time, I was like, oh, I got to do that. You know, that sounds fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, so. it's, it's really, it is. I mean, it's, it's fun to like, I don't know. It's fun to sort of break out of the tedium of like this type of stuff too. Right. And like, think about it as a sculptural element instead of like a sign form, you know, when we, when we make signs and like, you know, typically how this stuff is made is that there's a way to do it. There's a, there's steps that you go through, right. You make the pattern, you reverse the pattern. This is how you make it, you know, and, and not, having to think about that all the time, especially like as an, as an artist working in this medium, I consider myself an artist first and foremost. It's fun to be able to like break out of that tedium of the, of the material and to like, you know, push it in a direction that is different. It's, it's so needed. I feel like every, I feel like even if you're not making art out of this, like just like try, try some things and keep an, keep an open mind. Like, it's okay to use alligator clips, everybody, like, you know, stop freaking out. <laughs> actually, Everybody's freaking yeah. out about it. I actually and, like, saw, that, like, I saw that online. It actually, I don't know why it caused me to also freak out. And not in a bad way. It was just like, oh, like, how? How's that possible? But then I realized I'm like, why not? You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was my, like, own, it's, my own insecurities, but it was just my technical, like, you know, people in the back of my head telling me it's this way. You got to do it this way. Like, on, you know, years yep. and years of so. Yeah, yep. it's funny you mentioned alligator clips. I just, yeah, I was like, how's that? Shout possible? out James! Shout out James Akers, who also uses alligator clips, and um, <laughs> we have that in common, and we talk about it. And he's just like, I, I just love them. Like, it, it definitely makes for a more prickly installation, and that's kind of like, you know, that's the vibe. I mean, this stuff is, it's high voltage, right? And like to cap it all off, I mean, electrodes are beautiful, and like, you know, I don't know. I guess it's just a different perspective. You know, I wasn't. I learned this in art school. I was already a sculptor um, and an in installation major. So um, that's just the perspective that I have with it. And I, and I, there's, it, it's so much more than the finished product. It's all of the little moments around the studio, you know, that I catch like a pile of pile of tubes on the aging table, you know, like snapping those photos. And that's kind of what inspires me for a lot of the more abstract work that I'm doing is those little moments around the studio, the in progress moments that are just as important and even sometimes cooler than the finished product or just, you know, a sign on the wall. Yeah, too. And I think it's just like um, a different aesthetic. Like what you said is that it's very pleasing to somebody else. It could just be a different way of looking at it too. And I think artists are yeah. able to get away with that a little more as opposed to, you know, somebody who was ingrained with me in a certain way. Um, speaking of, you know, speaking about like day-to-day -day routine, do you ever like, get in the studio how do you get into the flow because it's different for everybody is there certain things that you kind of work on on like is it every day you're in there or how's that go i feel like um i feel like i don't have nearly as much consistency in my schedule as i would like but it keeps me on my toes i i do try and um have a little bit of a routine when i get in and it's just really to like take a moment and you know uh kind of see like how I've arrived and you know what's my energy like and all of that I know it sounds a little like hippy dippy but I think it's super important I've what I, the, the most important thing I've learned from all of this is when to walk away and when you're not in in it mm. um and uh you know like sweeping organizing like clear space clear mind type of thing even though it's like usually always or always I'll say chaotic in here and it's uh there's a lot of things um having a clean bench and like just kind of sweeping it off and clearing things out like I'll take the time to do those types of things before I start bending um I I have a new studio assistant now who is a graduate of Alfred University who's one of Sarah's students 
His name is Adam Taylor, and um, he's been really helpful in the studio and sort of, you know, over the last part of the summer, uh, he started, I guess, basically in like, you know, mid to late summer. And so it's been a little bit of a transition, like, you know, getting a flow with him in the studio, but it's been working pretty well. And um, it allows for a little bit of breathing room for me to just to like be able to tend to a lot of the other not bending jobs that I have to do, like emails. Yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been fun. No, it's cool. I think that a lot of artists, especially when they're trying to get into neon, it just helps them, I think, too, like give some frame to to what they could do, you know, especially when you speak about different setups and, and things that people are working on. Um, you know, what I've, I guess I've noticed too is that you've done more some artist talks too, like where you reach out just outside the studio and you get out there and you, you talk about um, neon to the public and the creative process. Mm -hmm. How does, how's that work? And I mean, do you get, do you, do people come to you for that or you kind of reach out? No, people ask, ask me. Um, it's, you know, within like a variety of contexts, they think that there are some that are more like women creative focused and like, you know, how to like maintain self care while being a business owner or there's, you know, a talk that I did at Gensler Architects about really valuing the work and when you hire creatives or, um, you know, uh, artists, you know, what, what to think about and, and things like that. That one was, was really awesome um, to talk to architects and designers about that type of thing, you know, like your standard contract with artists is not going to work in every scenario. Every artist has, a, has, has different policies and, you know, they should be respected and they're there for a reason. So it's a big thing like that I like to talk about as well. So I was happy to have that opportunity, but yeah, I mean, it's mostly been, um, them coming to me and I, I, I love talking about what I do. So yeah, I'll always, cool. I'll, I'll probably always say yes to that type of stuff. And I like too that that's like a learned atmosphere. You know what I, what I think about that is that, you know, you get to a place where, you know, you can give a lot of people, um, you know, their space to ask questions. Um, you know, like we talked about earlier, it's like, how do you how do you give people uh, an easy way in? And I think that's a great way to to basically just broaden the fundamentals of what neon can be, especially when it comes to you know getting away from the technical and just letting people you know be in a be in a safe place to 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 experiment with whatever they want to ask you too. And you know that helps um, mm -hmm. kind of get things. Where um, I noticed too, you got some work happening now at the Hangout Gallery. Like I know that's happening soon, right? Like you want to help promote that a little bit here. Is there something you want to talk about with that? Yeah, so I was I was gonna wait until the end to plug Bill again. Um, we so for the last year I've been co-curating with Piero, who um, runs Hang Art. It is a gallery on the second floor on Sutter Street, like downtown San Francisco, or right off of Union Square, and uh, it's a quarterly neon installation. Um, in their second story windows um, that I've been uh, sort of putting together the last year. And Bill is, has just put up work and his opening is actually tomorrow, um, <laughs> November 7th, but it is gonna be up for the rest of the year. So um, it's on Sutter between Powell and Mason. And if you just look up, I'm sure the bright neon, uh, actual neon, it's red, um, will catch your eye. So if any homies are in San Francisco, go check it out. And I'm just like super, super honored to be able to give 
fill that space. Um, and he did an incredible job. I mean, his piece is so cool. Yeah, I, I think so. It's going to be a great show. And if you're in the area, I mean, obviously this isn't going to air exactly when it's supposed to. So, you know, you still have some time, it sounds like. So go check it out. Um, yeah. <laughs> is, whatever, uh, I guess it, kind of wrapping up here, is anything else that you want to um, just, what, what are you working on next? Anything that's coming up? Um, yeah, so, um, we have a little event at Timbuktu with some select California artists of ours where we're going to be doing some programming, uh, here in San Francisco. It opens in, you know, uh, next weekend, the 15th through the 16th or through the 17th. It's like a little pop-up. So I'm not sure if that's something that uh, we're going to miss when this comes out, but we also have a museum show coming up um at the beginning of next year and i will say for now that you know just to like stay tuned on my instagram or the she bends instagram uh which is she bends neon um and there'll be like more announcements um probably around the holidays or like right after thanksgiving or something like that um yeah, and me cool. personally i am working on you know, it's been really interesting. I'm, I, I'm working on a uh, small solo for next spring. And I also have a really large exterior public project um, going on next spring as well. It's going to be a busy, busy quarter of 2020. But um, yeah, in Union Square that I'm really excited about. And I've been working on it for like a year and a half at this point, lots of planning and hearings and things like that. But it looks like it's, you know, it's been approved and it's going forward. And we hope to have that installed like in an alley off right off of Union Square in the spring of 2020. That sounds so cool. Uh, yeah, no, Meryl, I'm really happy for you, all the work that you're doing, all the shows. Um, this is great. Really happy to have you on the show. Talk about the She Bend show. You. Um, just really proud of everything you guys are doing out there. I hope it, hope it really all the things is, is, is coming forward for you guys. So, um, yeah, continue to promote it. Um, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me and for sticking with me, <laughs> um, getting me on the line. Um, I really appreciate it. I love talking about neon. Um, and thank you so much for what you're doing, giving a platform to talk about, um, the medium. It's really special. Awesome. Thanks. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed that show. If you haven't done so, please leave us a review on your podcast aggregator of choice. We have a lot of great neon guests coming up. And as always, thanks for listening.